1972, a crack commander unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire Film 89. Welcome to episode 100 of the Film 89 podcast. I'm Sky. I'm, I'm Steve. Neil. Oh! <laughs> 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 oh, so hard going quick. <laughs> right, Steve. Take, gotta leave take, that one in. Synchronized <laughs> idiocy. <laughs> Steve, you go third. You go second. <laughs> okay, second after um, Sky or second after you? <laughs> <laughs> second after Sky. I'll go third. <laughs> I'll bring it to the rear. All right. I'm Steve. And I'm Neil. And if that clusterfuck is anything to go by of an introduction, <laughs> then holy shit, you're in for a treat, listeners. Because, gents, episode 100. Oh, centurions we are. Episode 50, it, it seems like it was, I don't know, fifth, only 50 episodes ago, doesn't it? Doesn't seem that long. Well, well it, it was, well, wasn't it, Steve? So I found out this morning, three years ago. Really? Yeah. Good God. Wow. That was an epic episode. That was 2020 then. Holy cow, Neil. That was back in the bad times, the dark times, isn't it? Yeah. That was yeah. the time of COVID. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't say that. We'll get banned now. Yeah, we'll, we'll do. <laughs> yeah, we we'll can't get, manage. We'll get shadow banned on, on Apple and whatever, won't we? Yeah, we it was manage. the time of the um, virus that shall not be named. The, vi- the, the virus of unknown origin. <laughs> 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 so, gents, for a while now, we've been planning this episode, and I think pretty early on, it was going to follow the format we've chosen uh, partly because listener questions used to be a regular part of our episodes but we haven't really been doing them for a long time as our episodes seem to have become kind of more dense in the discussion of whatever film or show we're discussing which leaves us less time for listener questions favorite fives and, and such so we thought we'd devote an entire episode for our 100th one to answering a selection of questions from our vast cohort of co-hosts and friends and you our beloved listeners fans groupies even now we did say that you could ask us anything but for the most part you guys have stuck quite fittingly for a film and television podcast to questions about our film and television related opinions so firstly thank you to everyone who sent in a question or in many people's cases questions 
we've weeded them down from several hundred to around about 20 or so tonight and dependent on how we're doing for time we may not even be able to answer all of those so uh without further ado gents shall we begin let's crack on let's go on First question, Philip Stein, who left us a really nice review on Apple Podcasts recently, says, Congratulations on 100 episodes. Film 89 has definitely become my favourite movie podcast. My question for you guys is twofold. Firstly, what episodes that you've recorded are you most pleased with and why? I'll go first. Well, answer to the first question, I think there was two episodes that I'm really, really proud of. One which I wasn't even involved in, but I thought it was fantastic. First of all, it's the um, Jerry Goldsmith episode. Oh, yeah, which you were part of, yeah. I was a part of that. But the, the reason I like that is because sometimes when, with the music, we listen to you know a few selected soundtracks over and over again. You know, we love the music, but we don't really appreciate the full expanse of some of these giants of of cinema music um, have given us. And that episode, I listened to so many albums by Jerry Goldsmith and there's so, and things like the Medicine Man um, album. I hadn't heard as an album before, as a soundtrack. I've seen the film and that was it. And I loved it. And I still listen to it today. So that's one. And the other one, which is quite funny for me because... I wasn't involved in it, but I remember listening to it in the gym and I was laughing so much. And I know I've told you this before. I was laughing so much. First of all, like how I didn't rupture something, I don't know. But second of all, a couple of people came up to me and started you know, asking what I was listening to and things like that. And I started talking about the podcast. And I know uh, one fellow started listening to it because of a conversation. And that was the one that um, you did with um, Bill Scurry. And that was V. Episode fantastic. 18. Oh, <laughs> what a fantastic episode that was. So entertaining. I wish I'd been involved. Oh, sorry you weren't, man. You make me feel bad, then. No, 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 no. I'm just, I, I, I felt like I was involved, even though I was, you know, sweating like a pig in the in the gym. The fact that afterwards people were asking me about it, because obviously I probably stood out like a sore thumb there. But then we started talking about films and, you know, a couple of people started listening to the uh, podcast because of it. And they listened to that one specifically, you know. Oh, that's just really good to know. Yeah, yeah, that's really, that's what this podcast is all about, isn't it? Oh, go on then, Neil. I'm not going to be as magnanimous as Steve and say ones I went on. <laughs> oh God, no, Neil! I, no, you, yo, you wouldn't do that. <laughs> we, we all know everyone. We all know everyone tunes in for the Neil episodes. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, funny enough, I was going to mention V as well because it's one of those. I mean, a Bill Scoey's good friend of ours, and he's great, great to talk with anyway. But it's one of those times where I just thought. Wow, I'm doing so. I really enjoy you because I think the only time I'd ever talked about V with anyone that hadn't sort of openly mocked was maybe you and I had talked in work a few times on like late night shifts or anything like that about V. Mm. But to actually go back and rewatch it to do that episode was like a little sort of blast from the past from a sort of personal sort of uh, standpoint. I really enjoyed that. I really loved doing it. And like you say, with Bill as well, he's quite easy to bounce off, isn't he? And like, if you say something instantly, he just takes the baton and runs with it, doesn't he? So it made our lives easier as well. Yeah. I, I definitely go for the two I did with Rich, just because I don't like you two. And it's <laughs> 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 uh, oh, all coming out now. <laughs> uh, the, the Rambo one, uh, especially the Karate Kid one, we had fun with, but um, the Rambo one was great because we decided we were going to condense, we said we're going to do about an hour. We're going to do about roughly an hour, hour 20, because we're going to talk about the new, the latest Rambo film. We're just going to recap the others. And I can remember when you were doing the edit on it, you messaged me and said, I'm two hours, 20 minutes into this now, and you're still talking about First Blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I, I, I can remember them midway through. I, I think we took a little break, I can't whether it was a, a refreshment break or whatever, you know. And I said to Rich, I said, because neither of us were particularly enamoured with the latest Rambo film. And we, I said, do you think we should just have First Blood? And he was like, yeah, we should just have First Blood, really. And then I go for, I'll go for three. Uh, Avengers Endgame. Not that it's as good as Avengers Infinity War. Just for the simple fact that we had a fight after uh, before we recorded it, so that was nice. <laughs> no, it was it was no, it was the Infinity War one. That was the fight in it the was, car park, wasn't it? Yeah, the Infinity War was the one where it we was, had the. Yeah, there wasn't was. a fight. It wasn't a fight. We stopped the fight. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We had a little scuffle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, that was that was absolutely bonkers. Like, I remember it was like a God, we booked a day off work to go and watch it. Yeah, there was a several of us went. Um, it was it was it was five days before the release. It was a pre-release screening. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, seven of us have got to watch it. And then we come out and there's a fight in the car park and then we end up getting dragged into it. And then all sort of bickering between each other on the way back and then have to record something that we were all generally excited about. And we're all still adrenaline up to the eyeballs, yeah. Any others, Neil? Uh, It's been been loads, I've got to be honest. I mean, the Die Hard one with Jacob Rivera was brilliant. That's the standout one for me because that's the time I actually put my radio voice on all the way through it. I always... I end up talking just like I'm talking now. And I always, beforehand, I think, no, I'm really going to be well-spoken in this one. I'm really going to be, take my time and really pronounce my words properly. And that was the only one I actually managed to do it with. The rest oh, of the that's time, bullshit. Just, I don't agree with that at all. The rest of the time, I just sound like I got the snipe. No. Like I did snipe, so I don't care. But um, no, there's been, there's been loads, of, I mean, loads of great ones. I mean, going back to, I think it was, I can't remember, it was the second or third one when the, the, the three of us were recording at your place doing the, the favourite sports films. Oh, the se- uh, that was oh, the yes. second one, wasn't it? Episode two. Yeah, just for the fact that we've got a personal friend that's still irritated that I class Point Break as a sports film. True. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that was a classic great. moment. <laughs> Um, it's just been loads, haven't it? It's just, it's just been a blast all the way yeah. through, hasn't it? Well, yeah, I, 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 I always, I'm always looking ahead to the next episode, so I really do. I ever get a chance to look back? So, yeah, this this question has caused me to kind of look back through our, our list of episodes. And first on my list, episode 18, V and V: The Final Battle with Bill Scurry. That's definitely one of my favourites, and that is the first time that I confidently felt that we were nailing this whole podcast thing. And then, like you say, Neil, the, the, the Die Hard episode with Jacob Rivera and also the Fight Club when we did with him, the favourites for me. And oh, I forgot about Fight Club. And then the, the, the first time that we had Tony Stalicum on the, as a guest when we did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood back in 2019. Yes. And yeah. that was the first episode to get us to number one on Apple Podcasts in the country. I think it, it was Japan of all places where we first hit the number one spot, which just blew our minds as we were at that point only eighteen months old as a podcast, and we were just like, "What is going on?" And then we are very big in Japan. Yeah. Oh, I was just about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> the um, next on my list, funny enough, Neil, is the Rambo Saga episode that you guys did. That was just tremendous. That's one of my favourite edited experiences. Just listening to you guys going so much in depth on that one. I'll be singing at the end. <laughs> yeah, oh, the singing at the end, but you thought you thought I was going to cut out. <laughs> <laughs> and then getting to interview one of my heroes, Phil Tippett with Steve. That, that was oh, a highlight. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that was fantastic. Then there's the Jerry Goldsmith episode with Stephen Simpson, which you mentioned. And then I think easily one of our best episodes is episode 48, The Empire Strikes Back. I don't think we could top that if we tried. Talking about that is what I've missed off as well. Talking for just pure fun. Me and you doing Obi Wan Kenobi. Obi Wan Kenobi, of course. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which we, we did. We, we didn't did. want to do it. We caved to fan pressure. They were like, "When are you going to talk about Obi Wan? Where's your Obi Wan episode?" And you and me were just like, 
we don't want to do this. To, like, and it ended it up being... At the time, it was at the time when we decided we weren't going to be negative anymore. I know. And then, we, <laughs> and then everyone asked us to do Kenobi. And we went so we, full on. I, I like to think we, we, were, we were overly unnegative about it. <laughs> yeah. Until the score. Until the score. <laughs> yeah. And then our 50th episode, the 1991, that was huge fun. Uh, it was the worst experience I've ever had editing because we had all sorts of Skype-related problems. That was smacked in the in the middle of one of the lockdowns and we were all recording remotely and it was just a horrible editing job but it, it was worth it because it was such a, a a cracking you know laugh that we all had and i gotta say neil one which you've missed out the jaws audio audio commentary oh, that you yeah, and me did yeah. now that, that's one of the ones i'm most proud of doing audio commentaries as you know steve you've done one as well it, it's not easy because essentially to keep it's not to keep it in sync with the film that's playing, you only get one chance to get it right. And, you know, the, the Casablanca one, the Dark Knight, when talking for two hours, two and a half hours, sorry, Neil, on the Dark yeah, Knight. And we, the Dark Knight again. The, the Jaws one, that one, behind the scenes moment, there is a moment towards the very end of that Jaws audio commentary where I actually started to well up. And I, I, I know the point, and it's when I'm talking about when I saw it uh, the year before with my son, my eldest son, for the first time, his first time watching it in the cinema, my first time seeing it in the cinema, and uh, yeah, it just got to me. Um, other ones which, uh, you know, going back through our list that stand out to me, the Back to the Future trilogy episode with uh, Richie and Adam Rackoff is another. Our yeah, Goodfellas, yeah. Casino, Taxi Driver and Godfather episodes. The Lost in Translation and her kind of double bill episode with Becky Deanna, I think is the only time anyone's ever paired those films together. And that episode was a, a huge success for us. Talking of big successes, our Citizen Kane episode is still our most downloaded one. And of course, then is the two Lord of the Rings episodes which we've done, which were just as good as I could have ever hoped for, apart from my terrible croaky voice on that Two Towers episode late last year, which I hated. And then, well, some of my favourites from last year, you, you've got the Star Wars episode, Blade Runner, Conan the Barbarian, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, which me and Richie were lucky enough to do in Bill Scurry's presence in the flesh. And most recently, I just loved getting to be positive about a modern Star Trek show again when Neil you and I covered season Definitely. 3 of Star Trek Picard I absolutely loved that, that was episode that was cathartic that was it was cathartic it, wasn't it that's the best way yeah. of describing it so yeah lots of episodes I'm really pleased with and, and really enjoyed either being part of or just listening to it just shows how many films we've covered how many um, TV series and yeah. it, it's been it's been an epic 100 episodes yeah I, I, yeah no, I, I think, you know, without sounding too like, much like we're blowing our own trump. But yeah, you know, there's not, not every episode has been a hit, but my God, we've, you know, some of them, a lot of them have just been. It's the fact that we've covered everything from, uh, you know, 1940s to, you know, the 2020s. Yeah, and, and TV huge, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Philip's, the second part of Philip's question is, secondly, what films or shows are you most looking forward to covering on a future episode? Right, I'll go first because I know the Neil's going to hit a few of these. Number one for me has got to be Heat. Yes. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, Heat. Yes. I oh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to, to, to get to Heat. And then you've got Raiders of the Lost Ark, which we've nearly done several times. Um, mm-hmm. The Terminator and T2. Now, I know, Neil, you and I discussed them with Martin Kessler on our Terminator Dark Fate episode. Was it with Martin? Or, no, it was just you and me, wasn't it? I forget. No. Uh, Martin did Predator with us, didn't Martin he? Martin did um, the Predator, we, right. Me and you did Dark Fate. We did Dark Fate. To, no. uh, it was the night after we watched it, wasn't it? That's right. We're definitely going to give them their own episodes at some point, the first two Terminator films. The Return of the King episode is coming later this year. I'm really looking forward to that one to cap off the trilogy. I'd love to do The Great Escape. Raging Bull is another I can't wait to do. And even though, 
Neil, you and I did an audio commentary for Jaws. I don't see any problem with all of us doing a regular format Jaws episode at some point in the future. I don't know, maybe like in two years' time for the 50th anniversary. Oh, that would be... I, I, I will never run out of stuff to say about Jaws. I no. got I to be completely straight. Jaws 2 I'd like to do as well. Oh, 100%. 100%. Oh, a, a, a double episode. Yeah, yeah. I'd definitely love to do Jaws 2 as well. well actually, we could, do, we could do all four. Fuck off. In one episode. Shut no, we up. could... No, because we could literally do Jaws 1, Jaws 2, and then just go the other two a shit and just leave it that. I would like to do one in the future because we've got the new Michael Mann coming, film coming out, hopefully this year, um, Ferrari. Oh, uh, hell yeah. Yes, and I think that would be a fantastic one oh, because there's a lot yes. of big films coming out. You know, everything from, you know, I'm really looking forward to The Killers of the Flower Moon, and we've got... Uh, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. we got... Um, Dune Part 2. Yes, Dune. Um, the um, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part One. Part one. Yeah, yeah. Part One. Yeah, so many great movies coming out, but um, I'm not sure. Oh, you said about Heat. We need to do more with Michael Mann, and I think yes. um, Ferrari would be perfect. 100%. In fact, we could Ferrari, and then cross mention some of our favorite racing uh, films as well, because I know you're a big fan of uh, uh, Grand Prix. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh hell yeah, I'd love to do Grand Prix at some point. Uh, well, yeah, standard heat. I'd like to do a proper Predator episode rather than just sort of recapping the movie. I think we could do that, just the, the original film. Yeah, oh, 100%. Obviously, I'd love to do at some stage the Rocky saga. Um, I, yeah. I think I've got all the research there, but it's just... <laughs> I've almost I've almost created a monster with that because everyone's been really lovely and really gracious about those, those articles I wrote on the Rocky films. And I always sort of think, like, I want to do it, but it's like... I've already completed it. Do you know what I mean? So I'm sort of torn between do, ever doing a Rocky episode. Um, All right, Neil, think of it this way, right? After we did our Fight Club episode, sorry. Yeah, no, actually it was. After you, me and Jacob did our Fight Club episode, I went back and I read my Fight Club piece on the Film 89 website. And I thought that nothing I said in that episode was as eloquent or well-considered as that piece on the site. But I'm still glad I did the episode with you guys because it was it was a it was a different kind of conversation. Whereas my analysis of the film is is what it is, and you know you and me and Jacob had a lot of fun talking about it. So I don't think I should ever put you off doing Rocky, and I think mm. we should do one film at a time. They're two different um, approaches, aren't they? Completely different. Yeah, I think, uh, I think they are. You know, I, so... I, I think those essays you did on Rocky Neil are like your definitive analysis of them, but. Yeah. I, you're gonna still in the discussion come up with new things, I think. Yeah, oh, definitely. I haven't seen I hadn't seen any of the Rocky films since probably the eighties. Yeah. And when I read your articles, I was, you know, galvanized to go out and watch them again. And and they're fantastic. It yeah. made me become a defender of Rocky Five. <laughs> <laughs> It's not. It's, it's not that bad. It's just not. It's just not that good. <laughs> mm, yeah. I know. The, the bare bones. The, it's like it's like buying a house that needs renovation. You can go in there and if it's got good bones, you know you could knock a few walls yeah. down and perhaps replaster a few ceilings and it'd look okay. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> no, if, I, if that was the first one, fine. But you, you know, the fifth house you buy in, yeah, you, you want. <laughs> yeah. You know, I constantly think of films we could do, and then you sort of put them on the back burner and sort of stick, save them for a rainy day, don't you? But that's yeah, the beauty yeah. of you, Neil. We're a hundred episodes in. We've still got so much to cover. Oh, and another one I'd like to do one day in the future, The Seven Samurai. Oh, well, yeah, and it's got to be with Tony Stella. Yes. Oh, just wind him up and let him go. It's exactly him, and I think Seven Samurai is his all-time favourite film, if I'm right. Oh, it's an yeah. amazing movie. Oh, and yeah. definitely, definitely, if I ever do do Rocky, Jacob would be on as well. Oh, 100%. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 
In fact, put a pin in that one, Neil, because I think there's a question coming that's kind of in that same ballpark. Okay. (laughs) So next question is from our good friend and frequent guest host, John Arminio. He asks, a bit of a mouthy one, this one is a bit of a lengthy question. That's typical, John. Is there a film that, by podcasting about it, in brackets, talking about it and examining it more closely, you've changed your mind about? It doesn't have to be a film that you got totally turned around on, but one where your love for it increased the most after re-watches and discussion. Uh, I'll go first, if you don't mind, guys. A recent one for me was The Wolf of Wall Street. Now, I looked back on my IMDb scoring for that film, which I initially saw back in around about, well, when it came out, I think uh, 2013, 2014. Um, I saw it in 2013, saw it again a year later, and I'd, I'd given it on IMDb an 8 out of 10. And re-watching it for the episode, I was like, what? No, that is a 10 out of 10. And it's probably, or possibly, crept into my all-time top five favourite Martin Scorsese films. So that one definitely went up. And two others for me are Christine, which we did at the beginning of the year, and Vertigo, which I did with Davies back in 2018, which both went up even further in my estimations. That's the great thing about looking at these films and um, studying them and doing all the revision for them and watching all the videos about them and the making of it. You do get a real appreciation, don't you, mm. of um, that you, you don't have before. Yeah. And one that stands out for me, and it's not because the film is great, and this might surprise you, it's the um, Cleopatra. Yes, I know. Um, because, first of all, I actually really like the first half more of that film more than I thought yeah. I ever would. Everything with Rex Harrison. Yes, yeah, I thought he was a fantastic season. You would never think of that beforehand. You'd never think of, you know, Rex yeah. Harrison in that kind of role. You know, he's my fair lady, you know, and uh, Dr. Yeah. Doolittle, that's what he is. But no, he was fantastic. And the fact that there's so much of a story behind it, you know, one of the reasons we do this is not just because we love the films, but because we love the stories as well. And that was a magnificent story. It's an epic story worthy of this epic film. Yeah. I will say uh, one film through discussion that I enjoyed more, and this is this is a bit of a sort of curveball from what John's asked, but I'll give you an example, was um, the Robert Patterson Batman film. Because when I went to watch that on initial view, and I was like, yeah, it's a bit, yeah, it's all right. It's not bad. It's all right. And it actually, I'd say, I think I scored in a 7 out of 10. But yeah, if, you did, yeah. If you'd asked me on the night, that I'd probably have said a 5 out of 10 or a 6 out of 10. Yeah. And it was only through our discussion and sort of digestion of, of the film as we were talking about it, that I started to appreciate that it was perhaps a better film than I anticipated when it was what, you know, after coming out of the cinema, you know? But what I will say is a lot of the times I find I enjoy a film even more when we talk about it. So if you look at a film that could already be a 10 out of 10, if you look at Jaws, yeah. um, if you'd asked me to score Jaws, I'd say it's a 10 out of 10 film anyway. Yeah. But then somehow it becomes like a 10 out of 10 plus one, you know, yeah. when I'm talking about it, you know? Yeah. Um, when we were doing the commentary then, I was actually, I've always, I've always loved Jaws anyway, but I think definitely when we were doing the commentary on it, I appreciated the film even more, if that makes sense. Yeah. And in fact, Neil, I think, well, that was 2020. I'd seen it in the cinema for the first time, 2019, with my with my elder son, which was my favourite viewing of that film. You and me, then we, we went to see last, it last, last year. year. What I, yeah. And you and me found things in that film, which I think we'll save for a future Jaws episode, yeah. which in about 50 viewings of that film, we had never noticed. And we were talking about significant things in the early part of that film. And we were like, yeah. what is going on? 
How have we never noticed that? We were actually thinking, is this like some sort of new director's yeah, cut? Is this, being, like, is this footage being like digitally put in? And it, it yeah. was stuff which even I, I challenge a lot of people to notice the things that we will bring up in, in a future Jaws episode when we go back to the film and things that we only realised on this, I don't know, umpteenth viewing of the film. And I don't, like you say, we can't even see because both of us had seen it in the cinema before, haven't we? I know, I know. So I... It, wasn't, it wasn't even a case of, oh, you know, like some films, you know, like, like you know, say you could say, uh, like Return of the Jedi, I've never seen in the cinema. Yeah. So, you know, I've only ever watched that on VHS yeah. or on TV or whatever, you know. So if I went to the cinema and watched it, would I notice something different, you know, on the big screen, you know, yeah. or perhaps the, the, the immersive experience of cinema, you know, sometimes can open you up to different perceptions of things. Yeah. But I'd seen Jaws in the cinema before, and you'd seen Jaws in the cinema before, so it was quite a strange one. Yeah, and you you nudged me, and you said to me, have you ever noticed that before? And I was like, uh, no. And then yeah. this thing that we'd noticed carried on for the, I don't know, it was about the first, it was about three or four, maybe five minutes of the film. We were like... Well, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it too much, but we'd never seen the shark before. We'd never noticed there was a shark in it. <laughs> <laughs> and who's this quick guy? I <laughs> So next question uh, that that was uh, that was John wasn't it right that next one another member of the wider film eighty nine crew Leighton Winston and also frequent co host he asks what do you think is the best film or films released during the podcast's existence so that would be twenty eighteen onwards Fast Nine next <laughs> fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've tried to keep this a very short list and it was loads I could have added but the ones that immediately stand out some of which we've covered and well one of which from last year we, we didn't apart from in our end of year wrap up so I'm going to go for Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame which will come as no surprise to anyone uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood which is oh, possibly the best film I've seen in the podcast existence outside of those two Avengers films. Another one which I keep, I always go back to when I think back to 2019, which for me is the last great year of cinema is Uncut Gems, the, the Safdie Brothers, the Adam Sandler film. And then another one, uh, which we covered on the podcast, which I did with Jacob Rivera's 1917. And then you've got last year's Top Gun Maverick, which I think was the best film of 2022. Excellent. Well, I got a list of um, six films here. Um, oh, I picked six as well. Yeah, okay, there you go, top six for me. First of all, I got um, You Were Never Really Here, the Liam Ramsey film with um, Joaquin Phoenix. I can take or leave him sometimes, but that was a phenomenal film. Uh, Spike Lee's film, Black Klansman. Yeah. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, of course, which I yeah. think is po- possibly the best of them. Yeah. Um, Parasite. Yeah. Um, the Irishman. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I knew. Okay, and the Irishman again, and again, and finally a lovely little film I saw um, earlier this year. It was actually on the BFI player, and that was called The Quiet Girl, which is an Irish language film about um, a young girl who doesn't speak and goes to live with family members, and it's it's basically the world through her eyes, and it's a it's a wonderful film, and um, it's it, I don't think it got much of a release because it's in Irish. But um, it, yeah, it's on the BFI play and it's 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 a gem. You really worried me there, Steve, because I've seen you were never really here, and I can remember next to nothing about it. And I'm yeah. like, why can I not remember anything about that film? I think that sums it up though, because it's one of these films that you either because it's so distinct in its um, stylings and everything mm. that if you, you you either like it or you really hate it. I didn't hate it. I was a bit indifferent towards it. I just think yeah. it was one of those ones where I kind of watched in the middle of the night and I 
probably wasn't giving him my full attention. Maybe I you watch too many films in the middle of the night. I, I do do that sometimes. I don't. <laughs> I do. Yeah, well, this one I was just fully immersed in, and I, you know, like I say, Joaquin Phoenix. Sometimes I, I want nothing to do with him. You know, I, mean? I, do, I wasn't a fan of the Joker at all. No, but for some reason, this film really, really worked for me. Neil, uh, the Joker. <laughs> no, I, I was going to say, I was going to say the, I, I was going to say the Joker, and the reason I was going to say the Joker is I've watched the Joker now. Um, I. I think three times I was going to say, yeah, yeah, that's mm. quite a three. Times. But on first viewing that film, I was very let down by it. But I have appreciated it a little bit more. I still don't think it's the masterpiece of anyone that a lot of people say it is. But I think it's a far better film than I gave it credit for the first time. Mm. Um, obviously, once upon a time in Hollywood, again, Top Gun Maverick, I'd have to go for just to irritate Bill Scurry as well. I go for the last Mission Impossible film as well. Oh, hell yeah, Fallout. Oh shit. Yeah, these films just seem to be getting better and better every every. Every sequel that comes out, I'd say, is uh, is better. Obviously, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Chuck Fallout on my list as well. Yeah, I forgot that. I will. I will go with the, the MCU stuff. Yeah, obviously, the, the Infinity War and Endgame. I don't think whatever. I think, like I said, I think that's this generation's Star Wars, if you like. Agreed. Uh, that little run of films they had there. Um, I'm rather unfortunate now that it's gone the way it's gone. Yeah. I'm trying to think of anything else. Uh, the menu I enjoyed. Yeah, I know I did enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was nice to just to see a sort of dark, humid film that wanted sort of scared to take itself seriously, but also poke fun at itself at the same time, yeah. which I really sort of enjoyed. And to to find that on the Disney Channel just shows the crazy times we live in. Yeah, <laughs> um, Netflix-wise, extraction as well. Oh fuck yeah! Doing yeah. doing the first lockdown. Yeah, came from nowhere. Yeah, and I was um, got me looking forward to the sequel. Yeah, but oh, I, yeah. I, I I would pretty much echo everything you guys have said, uh, other than the Irish girl film that I haven't seen, so I can't comment. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the Irish man and the Irish girl, yeah. Right. Uh, next question: Alex Christensen via email asks Neil, I really enjoyed your articles on the site on the Rocky saga. Rocky is my favorite film and franchise, and boxing is my favorite sport. What other films on the sweet science are you a fan of? Well, first of all, thank you, Alex. I appreciate that. Um, t- t- to be completely straight with you, obviously, when you go in boxing films, you've got to go Raging Bull straight away, um, uh, yeah. other than Rocky. But yeah. um, as mad as it sounds, I, I find a lot of the time that the, the sort of boxing element of films is perhaps the weakest part of a boxing movie, if you like. You've got to have a good story there as well, mm. haven't you? And I have found that a lot of films I've sort of, like people have always said to me, oh, if you, you, know, you like your boxing films, you're like this. And then I watch them and I go, that's pretty <laughs> awful. I lo- so, some of the biopic stuff I like, like I say, Raging Bull obviously is Jake LaMotta, you know, and again, you know, that would be a stellar film anyway, wouldn't it? Like just for the performances that are given yeah. there, you know, the direction of the movie. Um, Cinderella Man with Russell Crowe, the Ron Howard film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, again, that's a biopic. Again, I'm going to cheat with that one, but again, sort of heartwarming story, you know, and you know, so good, very well done. Uh, Hands of Stone as well, the recent uh, one that was done on the life of Roberto Duran with uh, De Niro as Riazal, his trainer. That was um, a welcome surprise. Uh, massive Michael Mann fan. I think Will Smith does a tremendous job in his portrayal of Muhammad Ali, but for some reason that movie doesn't work for me. That's probably uh, what I need to rewatch. I, I think uh, it's just too much music in that film. Yeah, a long music video for too long. Yeah, I, I've watched it. I've I've watched it. I think only twice. I watched it. I watched it in the cinema when it came out because obviously I thought, you know, wow, this is going to be amazing, you know, and sort of came out very deflated. And I think I watched it several years later on TV and didn't really get sort of any different sort of opinion of it. Perhaps it's one I need to go back and revisit. And of course, the um, Stephen Dorff, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. collab 
classic gladiator, also yeah. starring Brian Dennehy. I've not seen that since I was about 19, but I remember yeah. liking that. And I, I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Matthias. Shared it on Twitter yeah. a couple of months ago. And I thought, I thought, I need to go back and watch that. I can remember liking that when I was 19, but I'm not going to endorse it anyway, because it, <laughs> it could it could be 19-year-old me and fo- almost 48-year-old me are two very different people. So a lot of the time with boxing movies and sort of any sort of fight movies, I just find myself a lot of the time just thinking, you know, you know, I, I think that's the sort of main selling point for me with Rocky really is the sort of underdog story and the sort of character portrayal. And if you like the sort of kitchen sink drama you've got going on around, uh, you know, the original film, definitely. Yeah. You know, I, I, I echo Neil what you say about Ali. I saw it once in the cinema. I've not seen it since. I really didn't enjoy it. I'm a huge Michael Mann fan, but two films of his, I just watched once, didn't like, and have never gone back to uh, that and Miami Vice. I do need to rewatch both. But one other film that you didn't mention that I, I did enjoy again, only saw it once, but I did really enjoy it is the, the fight that, Oh yeah, yeah, yes. uh, yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. two two yeah, cracking performances from Mark Wahlberg and and especially from Christian Bale. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. go with that. And and obviously Raging Bull being just one of my favourite films. Well, I, I was lucky enough only a couple of weeks ago to see Raging Bull in the cinema. Yeah, um, thanks, which thanks is... for the invite, Steve. Yeah, well, cheers, it, was, it was the last cheers, minute, Steve. So, um... <laughs> yeah, Neil, but, uh... don't worry. Neil, it, it was the night that you and me were recording the Picard episode, so he's let oh, off the hook. But he didn't oh, know that. He didn't know that. No, I didn't know. No, but I didn't know I was going either. So, oh, well, um... well, you were kidnapped, were you? you fish, I was, yes. yes. Bundled in a van to watch a movie classic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know, you know, uh, I don't know what to say to that. Um, but it was a fantastic movie in the, in, the, in the cinema. It's a great experience. But one film you haven't mentioned, I'm not sure if you guys have seen it, and that's The Hurricane with Denzel Washington. Oh, Denzel, God, yeah. 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 No, Steve, that's what I've missed off. You are right, mate. It's a, yes. a great film. I, I recently did a rewatch of that, I think about 18 months ago, because, again, I think the only time I'd seen that was when it first came out and actually enjoyed it the first time, but enjoyed it more the second time. So, yeah, go with that one. Yeah. The, I the, don't know what it is about that. I, I well up all the time every time I'm watching it. The only, the only thing with that is this very sort of, um, with a lot of the biopic stuff, slightly spoils it for me, is it's is, is very, um, let's just say, poetic poetic license taken with the uh, the early part of that film. Mm. Well, yes. Yeah. And, and it's Denzel, and he is never bad in anything, ever. No, and he's one he's one of the rare actors, I will say, because the, the thing is, um, you Jake Gyllenhaal did it with Southpaw, and Crow did it with um, uh, Cinderella Man. And the thing is, they always get some sort of celebrity trainer, if you like, um, you know, a well-known boxing trainer. That, oh, they work with them for eight months, and they always come out with, he, he really worked hard, he really did this, he really did that. And he could, you know, he could actually be a professional boxer. And then I watch it, and I go, no, he couldn't. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I will say Denzel in The Hurricane really looks the part, really mm, looks yeah. the part. He, to, to quote my old trainer, he sheeps up well. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, another dear friend and guest host that we've mentioned already, Jacob Rivera, he's asked several questions. I, I don't know who he thinks he is, but this is now going to become the, the, the Jacob Rivera section <laughs> of the episode. The first of those questions is, is there a film that's generally considered a must-see that not only have you not watched, but most likely never will, and why? I'll, I'll go first, guys. Mine is the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'm not the biggest musicals person, and this one in particular has never really appealed to me. And then one day, back in, I don't know, maybe 2000 or thereabouts, uh, my then-girlfriend made me watch it, and I managed about 15 minutes before I started having this, what I could best describe as a violent allergic reaction to what I was being subjected to. I don't mind a bit of camp. Flash Gordon is one of my favourite films. 
But this was just uh, this this was just torture for me. And I know Bill Scurry feels the same. Although I gotta say there are some musicals that I do genuinely love. But yeah, that's one film for me that I'm never gonna be able to watch. I unfortunately have watched it. Oh, oh yeah, I've yeah. seen I've seen it too. <laughs> mm. Yeah, you didn't miss much. No, no you didn't. No, no. <laughs> There's some good songs in it. I think you didn't miss much. No. <laughs> <laughs> And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our review of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I don't well, think, for myself, I don't think there's one that, you know, I would never consider watching, even something like that, I, uh, like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'd watch it, you know, there's a lot of must-see films which I have never seen. I only saw uh, uh, The Great Escape, was it last year, the year yeah, before? Yeah, before, um, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and, that's been, and there's a lot of films from that era which I've never seen. Mm. And there's a lot from the seventies as well. Like uh, I've never seen the um, Towering Inferno or, or oh, uh, the um, Poseidon that. Adventure. Oh, you're definitely uh, missing out there, mate. Classic. Yeah. You know, what, did, what did you do on Sunday afternoons when you were kids? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously not that. Yeah. Um, the Poseidon yeah. Adventure was on every other week. It was on every other week, and if it wasn't on that week, then it was the Towering Inferno was on. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. Obviously, I was out at the time, but yeah. I, I have no idea. I have no idea. But um, I suppose the only th- ones I would say that I would probably never watch are some of the James Bond films because I've, I'm not a James Bond fan. And, you know, I've seen a few of them, but about three or four of them, that's all. And I've got no desire to watch any of the mm. others. But if you're not a James Bond fan, you're, never, you're not really ever going to like a James Bond film, in no. fairness. No. You know, because it's pretty formulaic. There's, there's you know, yeah, different, yeah. varying degrees of performance. But, yeah, I suppose, yes, and story. But... They're all pretty much ultimately yeah, the same ballpark. Yeah, well, you could argue, you could argue that, you know, a few of the Craig ones. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. first ones are slightly off kilter. I'm but, trying yeah, to be I diplomatic, suppose. Neil, because what Steve said there just made me be sick in my mouth. I, I'm a huge James Bond <laughs> fan, so I'm just glad we're doing it by Skype. Yeah, <laughs> I'd have to physically restrain you. Yes. Well, you let would. me let me just say, right, my favorite James Bond is um, what's called Niven, David Niven. Casino Royale. Fuck off, Steve. <laughs> Neil, give your answer, Neil, so I don't have to listen to Steve anymore. Well, I'm going to make myself far more unpopular than Steve, no? <laughs> oh, I don't want to say it. Say it. Be strong. Be strong. God, Go on. Godfather 2. You've never seen The Godfather 2? No. Wow. <laughs> wow. And the reason I've never seen Godfather 2 is because I've tried to watch Godfather, or The Godfather, three times, though. And I've never got through it. So I always think, I can't watch Godfather 2. And I know people say it's one of the greatest movies ever made and stuff like that. But, and it's strange for me, because like I said, I saw Empire Strikes Back before Star Wars and <laughs> Rocky 2 before Rocky 1. But for whatever reason, I can't gel with the Godfather. I don't know what it is. I, I don't know what my problem is. You know, I, I think, Neil, right, I can foresee two possible futures relating to this. The first one is you finding just that right time in your life when you're ready to watch it and ready to appreciate it. The alternate version is where some sort of diagnosis is made. Yes, and some so, sort yeah, of I... uh, institutionalization is involved. Potentially. Well, Steve, I, Steve. I, I like this, I like this, I like this, Steve. Don't get shaken and stirred. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I'm just sad that glad that somebody said something worse than me. Steve, your Bond comments are forgiven. <laughs> yeah, so The Godfather 2 is what I've never seen, and I can't envisage me ever watching it because I think, well, I have to watch and enjoy The Godfather to watch Godfather 2. So, yes, have you so... watched the whole of The Godfather yet? Um, no. <laughs> Fuck me. Oh, so you haven't watched part three either? 
Uh, yeah, I watched part three. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know part, I know part three is a dodgy one, isn't it? The, the, no, part part three's yeah, it is. It no, is. that's the one that people sort of opinions type. Yes, it is. Yeah. Oh, so, guys, can we move on? This is painful. Jacob. Sorry. Why <laughs> sorry, do you Jacob. have to ask this question? Why, Jacob? Why? Why? Why is so anyway, me, Jacob? <laughs> J- Jacob's 14th question, I think. I've lost count now. If you could interview any living filmmaker for the podcast, who would it be and why? M. Night Shaderman. Next. I take it, Neil, it'd be quite, a, <laughs> it'd be quite an uncomfortable interview, yeah? <laughs> yeah. I, okay. want my answer. I want my answer. Oh, sorry. Go on. <laughs> uh, Jackie Tarantino. Oh, God, Without yeah. a shadow of a doubt, every day of the week. Yeah. Well, for me, it'd be one of three. It'd be either Tarantino, Scorsese, or Joe Dante. Oh, yeah, God, yeah. Joe Dante knows everything about every film ever made. Yes. And if he doesn't know it, then it's not worth knowing. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I'd, I'd happily interview Dante or Tarantino or, you know, I've got to, <laughs> I've got to go for <laughs> Paul Verhoeven. Because oh, not only oh, yes. did he direct my all-time favourite film, but he's just fascinating to listen to in interviews. And I kind of direct the conversation, so he ended up saying, Starship Troopers. <laughs> 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 Which is my favourite pronunciation of anything in the English language. So, Jacobs, oh, I don't know. Is it his final question? I, I don't even know. Um, I've lost track now, but his next one is... Uh, I, this is a great question. Who is on your Mount Rushmore of film directors? Scorsese. Yeah. Uh, Yasujiro Usu. Yeah. Kurosawa. Uh-huh. And Truffaut. That's my four. Uh, I go Scorsese, definitely. Mm-hmm. 70s and 80s era Spielberg. Yeah. Michael Bay. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely Michael Mann. Um, yeah. It's going to be Tarantino, surely. It's got to be Tarantino, haven't yeah. it? <laughs> I'm a knob for not picking Tarantino. I don't know why I didn't pick him because I really think of it now. But then it's which one of these four do I push out? And I, I don't know because my top four was fixed and then it changed last minute. So I've gone for Scorsese, Kubrick, Spielberg and John Carpenter. Carpenter's a good show. I know. No, right. Hitchcock was on there. Yeah. He was He was the third one. Not, in a, not that they were ever in any particular order. But I swapped him out last minute for Spielberg because Spielberg's best films mean more to me than Hitch's best, so I couldn't leave him off if I was being honest with myself. But the recent, I don't know, the last 10, 15 years of Spielberg films, none of them have really done anything for me. But when I look at his his peak, God, those films mean as much to me as any films I can think of. And, and John Carpenter, that run of his from 1976, starting with Assault on Precinct 13, going through to 1994, Within the Mouth of Madness, that is one of the greatest runs of films I've ever seen from any director. And several of the films included in that sort of period are just some of my all-time favourite films. And I don't think Scorsese and Kubrick need any particular explanation as to why they're on my Mount Rushmore. I, I think as a film lover, if you haven't got Scorsese there, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I, do, I don't understand how, how, you know, how people... Because the sort of thing you could throw in him is, oh, I don't like gangster films. You, you've got a, a plethora of other choices there, haven't you? You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, this, 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 like you say, like Hitchcock was what I considered. I, if it had been a bigger mountain, he'd have definitely been on there. I mean, you talked about early runs of films as well, John McTiernan, like you know, but those three films oh, yes. from, yeah, yeah. Do you mean, but there's just not the, there's just not the catalogue there, unfortunately, no, is there? That doesn't look like there ever will be now. But yeah. uh, there's a few, there's a few out there, isn't there? You know, like but you but say, if like, we're gonna say John Carpenter, I mean, after in the month of madness, 
he never really did anything great after that. No, Ghost, and yet Ghost, Ghost, Ghost of Mars, you know, Ghost of Mars. Yeah, and vampires. Yeah. But then, yeah. oh, Steve, come on. Halloween, the thing. Oh, no, that's what I mean. But what, Steve with from John New York and Trouble in Little China. He, he John Mateen, then he did, uh, you know, we've got uh, Predator, we've got Die Hard, we've got Hunter for October. You mean, so, you mean, 13th Warrior as well, is Not a bad film at all. Yeah, it's outside bet there for me, you know. I, I saw that film for the first time this year um, at the recommendation of uh, John Aminio who did an episode on Popcorn Eschaton on it and I enjoyed it. Is it um, the... Um, oh, Banderas. 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 Oh, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. That's, yes, the John Mc, uh, the uh, Michael Crichton story, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I, I enjoyed Eaters it. Eaters of the Dead? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Eaters that's of the it, Dead, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that for oh, it's, it's strange, 20 years, because, but yeah, it's, it's good. It's strange, isn't it? Because it's, there's certain, like, you know, you've got to have the, the consistency there, and that's why I sort of went. Yeah, I'm going yeah. sort of 70s and 80s Spielberg. You, I could probably class 90s in that as well, you know. Oh hell yeah! Like you say, yeah, I'm probably doing myself a disservice there by saying 70s and 80s. But like you say, with Carpenter, funny enough, I only saw an interview with him yesterday when he was talking about there might be a sequel to the thing. I know, and mm. it, you know, you know, and then. Um, I can't. I can't. What was I watching? Now? I think it was Mr. H reviews. And then you know, well, well, of course, he won't be directing. And I was thinking, God, no, I would want John Carpenter to direct it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see that film anyway. But I was thinking, like, even if it, you know, if he was going to do it, it wouldn't fill me with any more confidence now. But if you could go back in a time machine and get John Carpenter to that era and tell me there was going to be a sequel, I'd be less sort of nervous about it. You know, it's, it's like yeah. it's like Neil, as if John Carpenter, right, and, and Francis Ford Coppola just forgot how to. Direct films after a certain point. Do they lose that hunger? I don't know. I, I don't mean, know what you know. it is. I don't know. Because Scorsese's still doing it. <sighs> yes, he is a rare example. But, you know, so many other great directors have just, you know, they, they got to a point in their career where, you know, that was it for them. They were done. And I, I think, you know, I think life changes people. Like you say, with, with Spielberg, I wouldn't necessarily say that any of his recent movies have been bad films. Yeah. But like you say, for whatever reason, I haven't seen West Side Story, so I don't know. Yeah. But uh, I have, and I didn't like that <laughs> at all. That's what I'm saying. Like you know, there were sort of rumours before James Gunn took over DC. One, the, the the latest Superman movie, the Spielberg was going to do that, and I thought, you know, I'd really like to see you know Spielberg do a sort of popcorn film, if you like, again, you know, do. And I, I'm probably doing him a major disservice there because you know Indiana Jones and ET and. You know, close encounters. They're not popcorn movies, but they are popcorn movies. Do you know what I mean? They're not. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're something that you know just sort of gets ingrained in you. You know, at a sort of early age. And I thought it'd be interesting to see. I don't know if Superman would have been the right project for him, but it would have been really interesting to see him try and take something like that on again. Because a lot of what he does now is very sort of sort of straight laced or worthy, isn't it? You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but you know, guys, talk, you know, talking about the who's still. You know, in, in, in his like kind of twilight years, done great stuff. Paul Verhoeven, right? Yeah. 2006, he did Black Book, which is a fucking phenomenal film. He did L in 2016, which is one of the best films of that year. F- phenomenal film. I've not seen Benedetta from 2021, but I've heard nothing but good about it. But he is still going as well. And he yeah, does yeah. films which only Paul Verhoeven does. He's and that's still... what makes him so unique, yeah. Yes. That's and, right. and that's what the great directors do. They make films that only they make. Yeah, I, I think the problem with Spielberg is that sometimes he tries to, like West Side Story. We didn't need another West Side Story. No, he couldn't add anything new to it. And when he was great in the seventies and the eighties and the nineties, because in the nineties we got to remember Jurassic Park, it's Schindler's yeah. List, it's uh, Saving Private Ryan, it's AI. Exactly, yeah, 
you mean great movies then you know and they were thing they were his movies and i yeah. think that that's what makes great directors great i think you know we mentioned michael mann quite a few times tonight michael mann makes whether you like them or not you mean even something like miami vice which you you know i would say go out and watch it again because it is actually yeah. better than its reputation but still it's a michael mann film Yes. Yeah, there's there's certain like you say definitely with Tarantino and again with Michael Mann, yes. you know it, you know you're watching their film, don't you? And I think that's the difference between a great director and a great filmmaker, isn't it? Yeah, you know, look at Tarantino. His his first three films, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown. For for, for a long time, they were like, like I, I held them kind of way above all the others. And then 2019, he comes out with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and oh my God, it's just like yeah, you know this guy. He keeps saying that. His next film is his last film, but I, I just think he could and should keep going and going. I, I, I think he'll keep going. He has to. He's, he's, he's still got that hunger. I think he always will have. I yeah. think I think with Tarantino, what you might see with Tarantino, I think you might see him looking at ways of sort of bending the rules, if you like. I think you might get movies that aren't cinema releases, so that he doesn't class them as films or or something like that. You know, I think he might look for it. That, you know, because let's be honest. No, if, if Tarantino said to I don't know Amazon or Netflix. I'm going to do three films for you. It'd be a blank check, wouldn't it? Yeah, sure. You know, yeah, so yeah. Whether, whether he tries to sort of dodge right, I, I can't see him. I, I watched a recent interview. Obviously, he brought a couple of books out now, and I think he was all about doing like um, stage plays and stuff like that, you know, sort of keeping his hand in, but not doing movies anymore. But mm. I, I, like you say, I can't see him not doing, unless, you know, he has got that sort of, you know, withdrawal to say about himself that I don't want to go the way of John Carpenter, or I don't want to go the way of Francis Ford Coppola, you know. And it, you know, if any, you know, if anyone could do it, you'd think it'd be someone who's such a movie lover as himself, you know, and intricate knowledge of movie history and the do's and do, you know, do nots of uh, making a movie. Then perhaps that might be the case. But I think there's a very good chance that you'll see him do like straight to streaming movies or something. You'll get around it that way. That'll be oh well, yeah, but I didn't do cinema movies after yeah, that, you know. Yeah. So next question, Ian J on Twitter, and you'll find him at Go Train Avenger asks, "What, in your opinion, was the best year for films?" That's a difficult question. No, it's not. <laughs> no, well, I, I, I'm going to cheat a little bit, and I say it's not a specific year, but I would say from say eighty nine to about ninety two, ninety three, that period there. That's not what he's asking. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, and I said I'm cheating. Okay, nineteen thirty nine. Oh, that's a good one. Such a good one. <laughs> There's some great, great movies of that yeah. year. But um, no, for me, because of my uh, age and because, you know, the time I started really going out in cinema regularly and really loving films, it's the late 80s into the early 90s. What year in particular, Steve? I'll give you a hint. Our podcast is named after it. Oh, um, what is the name <laughs> of the podcast again? <laughs> um, Film 90, was it? Uh, yeah, 89 is a pretty good year as well. Yeah. Well, I did include that in the... Uh, yeah. it's, it's that period there. Neil? Um, I'm useless. I, I Listen, I can't tell you what... I couldn't tell you what year any film comes out, to be honest. I, I, I would have gone along sort of Steve's lines. I'd have gone early 90s, but I'm going to go 89 then. <laughs> oh, no, it, it's no contest for me. It, it's 1982. Oh, of course. I, I don't even know where to start. Right, you've got... 25th 18. of June 1992, <laughs> uh, sorry, 1982, you had, on the same day, The Thing and Blade Runner released. Same year, right? In fact, a few weeks before, you had E.T., Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, Conan the Barbarian, Tron, Rocky Three. Yeah. 82. I mean, fuck me, 1982 is the fucking greatest year for film. I mean, holy cow. 
I, I know there's this podcast out there. I know Ron Real did an entire episode on on the films of 1982, and it is just an endless list of awesomeness. So yeah, no contest it for is, me. It is. It is. Yeah. So another of our listeners, Todd Priest, he asks, and this is actually a question more per, you know more about our kind of like personal kind of things really. So we're, it, this is a good one. Listening to you guys these past years, I feel like we've become friends, as I know so much about you through your discussion on the episodes. But I want to know. What are your non-film and TV-related obsessions? I'll go first because you know what mine is. I'm a huge fan of the NFL. Oh, you are. I am. Yeah. I am a um, Niners faithful, San Francisco 49ers mm-hmm. fan. And this time of year, it's awful because I know I've still got another three months, four months really, before the um, games start in earnest, mid um, mm-hmm. September. And that's the one thing I don't like about the NFL is that it from the beginning of February when you got the Super Bowl, you don't have another game then until September. Mm. Um, but yes, come September now, every Sunday night, six o'clock, I'll be in front of the TV. And especially if there's a holiday the next day and I don't have to get up for work, I'll be there until midnight watching the games. Six hours if I could every night. Um, I'm a lepidopterist. What? I'm a lepidopterist. What's that? I collect um, butterflies and moths. You I don't study them. You don't, mate. I've been to your house many times. This, you don't. The small silence of the lambs, then. <laughs> I keep by the back in the shed. You just don't see them. Oh. <laughs> no, um, not a lot, really. To be honest, mate. Um, obviously, I keep up with the boxing. Watch that. Um, do a bit of training. Trying to paddleboard, but I can't do that. Have a nice. Just like you know. Fine wines, Belgian chocolates, and gorgeous women. Oh, there you go. Yeah, winner. Well, I should, I should, I should say gorgeous woman before I get in yes. trouble. <laughs> but if you're going to mention sports, then oh, it's June and um, Wimbledon is coming oh, around the corner. No. My oh, absolute no. favourite oh. sporting event over any other. And I don't even know if tennis, if tennis is my favourite sport, but Wimbledon. It's not a sport. It is a sport. <laughs> it is. It's, oh. it's, not, it's, not, it's not extreme sport, though, is it? No, it's not an extreme sport. But yeah, I love Wimbledon, even though I can't play tennis. But my main obsession these last few years has been watches. I am properly obsessed with them. I've got lots of other things I love, but my main kind of hard stuff in the veins obsession these days is watches. I'm just a huge watch fanatic. Oh, if I ever won that Euro Millions, I would just go out and just blow hundreds of thousands of pounds on ludicrously expensive wrist jewellery. I bought. I picked up a rather nice fossil the other day. Scott, you would like that. <laughs> Fucking fossil. <laughs> Fuck off. Uh, Joe Duffy on Twitter, and you'll find him at Joe Darts three one seven. He asks, "What TV series that you feel was cancelled prematurely would you resurrect, and why?" I'll go first. I, I would have said Firefly, but then we had that Serenity film that came afterwards. So I don't know. I guess this one question, I kind of struggled to. F- properly find an answer to i can't i can't think of any um oh. i would i would i would definitely have said i would like to have seen a continuation of quantum leap um yeah because he never made it home did he yeah but they've done one now if it's been pan i've not seen it but it's been pan so but it's not called it's not called sam beckett oh, right okay um but they've done a sort of remake of that um uh, let me think oh i tell you what i was enjoying recently was um get shorty the tv series of All that right. And that just ended very abruptly. Mm. Um, and I've literally just been watching now on uh, Disney Plus, or for our international viewers, Hulu, Mr. In Between, which I can't recommend. I did recommend to you the other week. 
You still haven't watched it. I know. Um, and it's about our sort of Australian, well, hitman coming forth, so come gangster. Only like 25, 30 minute episodes. There's only mm. three seasons. And season three, I was thinking, all oh, right, this is really getting somewhere now. This is really building to something. And it ends rather abruptly. And I've read recently now, because I think they were made, I think the last season was about two years ago. And the, the show star and, and creator, I read an interview with him the other day where he was saying, oh, it's kind of reached this potential, it's kind of reached this peak now. And that's it, like, you know. Mm. But uh, no, I recommend that to anyone who wants to, you know, quite easy to watch. Like I say, because you look in, I think the longest episode I watched was like 34 minutes or something like that, you know, but um, really, really well done. Yeah. Steve? Yeah, i going back a couple of years now, about 20 odd years. Uh, Millennium with Lance yes. Henriksen. Lance Henriksen. Yes. Yeah. 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 I love that series. Uh, you know, Lance Henriksen as a serial killer hunter who can almost see evil, you know, what's not to like him. And, and if you bring it up to, you know, 2023 uh, sensibilities, what we can do on television these days and take it even further, I think it'd be phenomenal. Mm. Although Lance Hendrickson, you know, he's obviously an old man now and he would be very, very difficult to replace. Well, I suppose you could, you could, you could always bring in sort of like this new character that had the same abilities, but was like his sort of padwan, if you liked, or something like that, can you? Yes, yeah, I just, I wouldn't know who... They'd have to be very good because he had gravitas, didn't he? I, I go Henry Cavill. There you are. <laughs> <laughs> so, where we go next? Uh, Hector Oliveira asks, Oh, I have a question for the Welsh bluesman Steve Amos. That's you, Steve. It, that's me. What is your favourite film that heavily features jazz and the blues? Mine are The Blues Brothers, Bird, and Whiplash. Well, all those are fantastic films. The one thing I would say, and I've been thinking about this all day. I don't think there's ever been a great blues film. Sorry, Steve. The, right. Which one is Bird? Is that the... Um, is Clint that, Eastwood. Is that Forrest, yeah, Forrest Whitaker. Forrest one, Whitaker, yeah. yes. Right, the Charlie okay, Parker right. movie, yeah. Right. Um, there's been some fantastic jazz films. He also mentions More Better Blues, which is Denzel Washington and Spike Lee. Uh, the one thing I would... One film I would also mention is Round Midnight, which is another jazz film with uh, Dexter Gordon mm-hmm. and directed by uh, Bernard Trevanier, which is a you know, a, a film which is, it, it oozes jazz. Um, but in terms of blues, though, I don't think there's never been a great blues film. What about Walter, Crossroads with Ralph Marshall? I was going to say Walter, Walter Hill made Crossroads in the 80s, which oh. has got so many cliches in it, but it's still fun, although the ending is appalling. Sorry, Steve, Steve I just, you, you just said that he mentioned Mo Better Blues. I don't think I actually read the question probably because I actually missed the fact that he mentioned Mo Better Blues as one of those as well, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a great film as well. But no, yeah. um, um, Crossroads, the ending is, is terrible. It throws out everything that's done leading up to that. But up until then, I think it's a, it's a very good film, you know. But one film that it was actually never made, but Martin Scorsese in the 80s was going to make a biography of Robert Johnson. Right. And it was Love in Vain, and they released the script. And if you can buy it on uh, Amazon and places like that, it's a fantastic, it's yeah. the, you know, could be the best film you've never, that's never been made. Because if they ever made that, then I would be first in the queue to see it because I think that would be that's something that needs to be done a Robert Johnson biography. Mm. Well, out of all the ones you've mentioned here, I think Whiplash all the way for me. And but how yeah. about another Damien Chazelle film, La La Land? That features jazz, doesn't it? It does, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
That's Jack, what I love blues. Just, no, not blues, yeah. really, is it? Well, w- w- one thing I would say, the Blues Brothers 2000 is not a very good film, but the music in it is better. That was with um, John Goodman, wasn't it? John Goodman, yes, yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, fantastic lineup at the end, the, the concert, because it's basically the same story. Yeah. And they've got to get a concert together at the end, but the, the lineup at the end of that film is amazing. Yeah. Right. One of our inner sacred circle, Matthias van der Roost, he asks... Who would you gents like to see cast as the next James Bond? Steve, David you've probably Niven. got nothing to say. Dude. David Niven. <laughs> Don't even bother. Queen Latifah. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's probably the way it will go. But no, I... I oh, well, that's weird because I said Henry Cavill just now. It's got to be Henry Cavill for me. For me, that guy just embodies everything that James Bond should be. And if you've seen The Man from Uncle and take away the sort of um, dodgy American accent he was doing as Napoleon Solo, I mean, that basically is a Bond showreel, surely. I know a lot of people say, like, Idris Elba or Tom Hardy and stuff like that. They're roughly the same age as Daniel Craig anyway. Hmm. You know, for me, I would like to see Henry Cavill signed to a three-film contract. I would like the first film to be set in 1975, the second film to be set in 1982, and the third film to be set in 1987. And no no running theme to him, no overarching narrative, just have a separate spy adventure for each of those films. I think if you did them in the earlier periods, you could get away with a lot of what people are afraid to do with Bond films now. Bond is both basically going to have that misogynistic aspect to him. And I think if you set in an earlier era, maybe you could get, really, get away with it. Hmm. Well, Neil, funny you should say, because, yeah, Henry Cavill is still my first choice for the next Bond. He, he, he's got the physicality, which he showed in Mission Impossible Fallout, that awesome fight scene oh, in yeah. the toilet where he, he, like, loaded his arms up before he kind of started fighting <laughs> that guy. He's that's, still... that's, an ad, that's an ad-lib as well, because like, he'd actually he'd been working out, and yeah. he, literally his biceps were tight, weren't they? So he just did the old arm pump thing, which i got to be honest, I haven't had a fight for, oh, got to be 15-odd years. But if I ever have, if I ever have another one, I'm, I'm going to try, try and do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, he's got a physicality. He's also got a charm, and damn, is he a good-looking fella. Plus, right, he's had a real... Is it weird how he's not a big, massive star? Cause... Right, he's had such a raw deal, though, because look how he's been treated by Warner Brothers as Superman, and now it's happened again with The Witcher. It's, it's really sort of bizarre. Yeah. I don't know. He comes across as such a nice guy, yeah. and he comes across as like every sort of role he takes on. Because I know he's signed up to do the Highlander role now, haven't he? Yeah. And stuff like that. And when he speaks about things, like when he was doing The Witcher and stuff like that, he comes across really passionate and he really yeah. sort of embraces characters like with Superman and stuff like that. And really sort of in, sort of embodies that, you know, he seems like it's almost as if he's chuffed a bit and he's got that role. Yeah, he, he won't be the next Bond. I, I just don't think he will at all. I just can't see. I no. I can't think of anyone else. People always say about Richard Madden, do they? No, not the at all. Bond. And I, I just don't see him as no Bond. Way. You know, he's, And I, I've watched... Um, Citadel. Was it Citadel, yeah. Mm. I watched a few of them and I was just like, God, no, you you know, you know, just couldn't see... For me, he just wouldn't work as Bond. Like I say, Tom Hardy, if Tom Hardy was 10 years younger, you know, I think maybe... But yeah, I, 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 can't, I can't really think, other than Cavill, I can't really think of one. Oh, they, oh, people have said about Aaron Taylor Aaron Johnson. Aaron Taylor Johnson, oh, yeah. Now, that could be good if you're going to go for a young, a much younger Bond. Yeah. But I think, you know, Bond is just sort of canonically sort of like 37, 38, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, mid-30s, like at, at the earliest, I think. And, yeah, know, so with, I mean, I know, there, isn't he? I know Cavill's sort of like just a little bit above that but yeah. you know it, it age as is written on the paper but he doesn't yeah. look it does he you know no. he doesn't look it no. but I say I think they just signed it to like a three film contract you know and 
literally, even even if it was a case of you know, virtually filming them back to back, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you got a great choice there. But Anton Johnson, I got to be honest, when he mentioned him, I was sort of like, yeah, I could see that. I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was years ago there was talk of doing Old Man Bond with Piers Brosnan with Tarantino directing. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I wouldn't mind if watching that. <laughs> Because oh, I, I think I think I think Brosnan is a good Bond. I just don't think he gets good films. No, I agree. Yeah, I agree. So who's next? Paul Sully via email. Congratulations on 100 fantastic episodes, guys. We live in strange times. We've seen cinema falter badly during the pandemic, and now we seem to be in the middle of the streaming wars. What one thing about the film industry in 2023 concerns you the most? Um, I think it's something that Tarantino said recently about Ryan Reynolds. The problem with the films being released on streaming these days is that they don't capture the zeitgeist. They don't They don't have a, a, an afterlife anymore. Tarantino is basically saying some of the films that uh, Ryan Reynolds has made for Netflix. And some of them have been quite good. You know, the, mm. um, the, the, the time was the one with, um, when he comes back, he goes back in time and he sees his younger self and everything like that. If that was, yeah, like, the, the Adam you know, Project. The Adam Project, yeah. Yeah. If that was made in the eighties, I think we'd all love it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was a really good film, but it's not capturing the public imagination, and because of that, they're just going to fade away and die very soon. It's just a lot of throwaway entertainment, isn't it? Do you, Do you think it's with content? The, I was going to say some of the stuff that Reynolds has done, like he did Six Underground and he did the uh, Red Notice or whatever with the Rock, didn't he? Yeah. And they're films I've watched, and I in, like like Steve said, you instantly forget. I will say with the Adam Project. Yeah, I completely agree. Because funny enough, I watched that with, with uh, the good lady, like, and the both of us were like, "This is like ET or something." It just had that sort of feel yeah. to it, you know, a flight to the navigator or something. It just had that yeah. sort of vibe to it. But do you think with that, that just suffered because it was on streaming? Yeah, I think so. Because I, of the other two films I've mentioned, uh, the Reynolds did. I think if either of those had been released to the cinema, they would have been spectacular flops and would have been instantly forgotten about straight away. Yeah, but I think with the Adam Project, I think that might just be. I, I don't know whether perhaps we live in a sort of we live in a society where um, now with the sort of streamed films where you don't give them as much regard or you don't concentrate on them as much because you don't have that sort of cinematic experience. I don't know. There have been exceptions, you know, there have been exceptions with some of the ones that have been released. Like I say, the, the, with the menu, like, you know, that's a film I would have never have gone to the cinema to watch. Yeah. Because it was on Disney Plus, I was like, "Yeah, go on, I'll give that a go." And thoroughly enjoyed it, yeah. you know. But some of these big budget um, action films. What was the name of that? Um, it was a Chris Pratt film, uh, the Alien Invasion film, a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, yeah. oh Christ, something See? tomorrow, the Tomorrow War. Tomorrow, Tomorrow, tomorrow War. Again, I, I really, really tomorrow enjoyed War. that film. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say it was a good film. Well, wasn't it? Another yeah. good one, but but yeah. we don't. Here we are now, um, you know, talking about it, and we can't remember what it's called. Exactly. Yeah, it's because strange, it's isn't not. It? It's not permeating this, you know, anything outside of the stream, and that, and that's a, and that's a, something that worries me, because there's going to be so many disposable films. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think I yeah, go along those lines. I'd say definitely the type of films that I think there was a few of them who were sort of made. I don't know whether whether we can blame the pandemic for them, but there was a couple of sort of movies made, but I just thought they were just made on a soundstage. You yeah. know, um, there was one with right. I'm going to really embarrass myself now and say I watched the film with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum in it. I can't remember what it was called. But I thought, oh, this actually looks like as if it's going to be Romance in the Stone. Yes, yeah, another and, one you're talking about, yeah. And then when I was watching it, again, it's a stream film, so I can't remember. Uh, and when I was watching it, I was sort of like, well, this just looks like a, like a computer game. This looks like a PlayStation game. And 
I will say to a certain degree, Bullet Train with Brad Pitt as well, which was an all right movie as in just, you know, you know it's a movie to watch, but it was aspects of that as well. Where I was just like, it's almost as if these actors are sort of on a sort of higher pay scale are doing almost what your Nick Cage and your John Travolta and without being derogatory towards and Bruce Willis was doing when they were doing a sort of geezer flicks, you know, where they were just releasing anything, you know, turn up for two days get paid a million dollars and, you know, go off and do the next one type thing. Yeah. And then when I watched, like, those type of films, like I said, I can't remember that Sandra Bullock one. And definitely with Bullet Train as well, I was, like, sort of, like, did they just say to Brad Pitt, look, you know, just come in for a week, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's just the Bullet of, Train it, was released in the cinema and a very sizable hit, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, but it, it, it looked, it just didn't look right to me, do you know what I mean? It just didn't look right. And that sort of takes you out of it a bit, I think, you know. Um, I think there's a lot too much sort of reliance on sort of technology sometimes instead of practical filmmaking. I've got, yeah. I've got, I've got to say the obvious one as well. There does seem to be the sort of political angle where, you know, you have to have 15 different nationalities in every film and you have to have, you know, a woman can be taught something by a man or, you know, a, a you know, well, it's, it's a what, woman the, what can. the critical drinker refers to as the rules, the rules. Yeah. yeah. Basically, which, you know, I've got no problem at all with, you know, watching a film with any sort of person of any nationality but when it doesn't fit it like i find it quite jarring sometimes when they go to like a sort of like you know some medieval village in the middle of snowy cap mountain and you've got like you know people from all over the world then you think well that doesn't really fit in no, with it, you know that's right yeah, you know yeah, the same way the yeah. same way the same way if i went to a, like a sort of desert location i wouldn't expect to see a your white ginger guy there you know yeah. and stuff like that you know of course so well, I, one thing I think, i'm worried about though what you just said you know when you just said about how some films will look they look fake these days and I've seen, you know, watching the trailer of the new Indiana Jones film. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, especially as the first three films, are, you know, real practical effects, yeah. you know, and it, it looks fake. And that worries yeah. me. It's yeah. quite strange, isn't it? Well, you say you think, you know, all right. Yeah, you're not going to if you look back to. Sorry, I don't know. What the hell is that going off in my house? I don't know. We got some sort of alarm or something. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, if you look at like, you, you, all right, you never get to drag an 80 whatever, you know, old Harrison Ford behind the truck again. You know, there's so much you can do with sort of practical stuff that, like like Steve was saying there, if you use that as a comparison of there's an Indiana Jones film made in the early 80s, there's an Indiana Jones film made, like, this year or last year, which one looks better? Yeah, well, I don't know. Has CG become so cheap now that it it's cheaper than, you know, shooting on location? I would imagine it is. If it's it's going to be, but then, you know, are you going to get the best out of, of course you know, you're not. Exactly. performance? You know, it's, it's a no-brainer for me, really. I've seen clips of um, what's the the John Wick film when they're on the bikes and they you know racing through the streets, and that all that is CG. Yeah, yeah. And, it lets, and it lets it down. You see, if you use the, the John Wick films as a comparison, I mean, yeah, it lets itself down really because then you've got a sort of great sort of close up action sequences that are yeah. you know filmed wide, you know, and not using shaky cam, and you know, it done if you like an inverted commas for real thing, and then they go and ruin it by like you say having like. You know, basically the Tron bike chase afterwards, like, you know. Well, funny enough, you should mention, Steve, uh, Indy, because my, my biggest concern about the film industry in, in 2023 is seeing these massive entertainment corporations like Disney in particular handling properties like the MCU and Star Wars so badly and, and just lose their way creatively, especially when you consider the franchises like those have practically pushed mid-budget filmmaking out of cinemas. It just makes me pine for the 90s. When we had it all, we had blockbusters, indie films, genre films. It was just better times, and I don't think we realised how good we had it. No. Yeah, no. I think you're right with that. I, I think basically, like I say, the only sort of two filmmakers we've got now, really, 
uh, Tarantino and Scorsese Agreed. still are. Yeah. Because like you say, they're, they're the only two really I could think of. Oh, Spielberg and a push maybe. They could literally just go and do their own passion project. I suppose Nolan does it as well. Okay, I'm shooting yeah. myself but there's very few and far between where they can just go off and do their own passion project a lot of directors now just seem to be almost guns for hire don't they yeah and I think yeah you could lump Nolan in as well because he does the films he wants to make yeah turns the sound down on him yeah makes him impossible <laughs> to hear the dialogue but yeah, yeah. <laughs> another dear friend and regular co-host of Film 89 Stephen Saunders asks who is your favourite actor from the classic Hollywood period and what is your favourite movie starring that actor Right, this is a really cliched answer for me, but it's Humphrey Bogart and the film is Casablanca. <laughs> Casablanca. <laughs> Shout out to our Casablanca commentary, Steve, from episode eight. We discussed Bogey yeah. in our favourite actors segment in one of the earlier episodes as well. And he's just, well, I don't know, go back and listen to what I said about him there and on our Casablanca commentary. Also, Claude Rains, I think, is close behind in second place. as oh, my yes. favourite actor from, from that period. Yeah, well, and, and he was in so many films that he wasn't the lead, and yet he seemed to have so much. And, and you know, he was the Invisible Man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we forget that we don't see him at all. Yeah, but um, no, I, and the one I'm going to choose is um, because I, I was going to choose Humphrey Bogart, but I knew that you know you'd choose that. I think so. I'm going to choose um, Cary Grant, and my favorite film of his is Only Angels of Wings, 1939. He's it's he's not one of his comedic roles where he's you know doing all the pratfalls and everything, and he he could do that better than anybody. This is, you know, more of a straight drama, an action film, you know, 39 action film. But it's uh, a wonderful film. And what a cast, Gene Arthur's in it and uh, Rita Hayworth is in it. It's, it's, you know, if you haven't seen that one, and it's not one of the films which is seems to be readily available or readily talked about. It's a, an amazing film. Howard Hawks directed. Yeah, Cary Grant, one of my favourites too. I, I'm just going to write on your coattails, Sky, and say definitely Bogey and Casablanca. That's got to be Bogey, isn't he? He's just fucking awesome. Yeah. I mean, the guy was born aged 52. Yeah, yeah, he died yeah. age 52 as well. <laughs> With a steak and a cigarette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was eating a rare steak and smoking a cigarette and then, and drinking bourbon. Yeah. Drinking shivers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't... Uh, the, the thing about Bogey is that he's so distinct that, you know, I mean, he is a character actor who, you know, writ large, isn't he? Yeah. You know, yeah, because you know, that kind of actor was, you know, uh, let's say so distinct and so uh, memorable in, in the way that he presents himself is usually on the sidelines. Yeah. You know, yeah, like he's, Sydney he's, Green Streets and the, uh, Peter Lorries and people like that. And yet he was a fantastic lead actor as well. Yeah, he's, he's, without he's, compromising himself. He's probably the first movie star that was built on a persona, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Because if you look at like sort of like movie stars from that era, pretty much up to I'd say probably the sort of early nineties, they were movie stars and they were like you say character actors, weren't they? Yeah. You know, and then every now and then you'd have someone who sort of break through and have like you say like your De Niro's and stuff like that, which were all right, yeah, could put a different spin on thing. But you you you're watching a De Niro performance, you know, you're watching yeah. De Niro, aren't you? You know, and Bogey was probably the first of those, wasn't he? Yeah, and you know, he he played a lot, played lots of kind of hardball detectives, and then in the early part of his career, he played the heavy quite in a lot of films. But you look at the difference between Rick Blaine in Casablanca and then his character of um, of Dobbs in Treasure of the Sierra Madre. You know, they're, they're totally different characters. And then you you look at the African Queen. He's just... but, it's still, but it's still essentially bogey, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's bogey. Yeah. But, yeah. And if you watch In a, um, in a Lonely Place. Oh, In a Lonely Place. Oh, oh God. Yeah. One of the most unlikable characters yeah. you could ever have on screen. Oh, God. And yet he's still magnetic. 
So where were we? Uh, last question was from Stephen Saunders. Next one, ah, oh, it's from another Stephen, uh, another good friend and uh, previous guest host, Stephen Simpson. This time, he asks if you could wipe your memory of a movie and travel back in time to see it on the big screen, which movie would you choose? Oh, I think I'll go first. It's got to be The Empire Strikes Back, but then I'd also have to wipe my memory of Return of the Jedi so I wouldn't know the Vader was Luke's father. And then I'd also have to wipe my memory of the prequels and sequels, which gives away the same thing. And then wiping my memory of those films isn't such a bad idea, I guess. Well, you're going down a rabbit hole now. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I can actually remember seeing uh, Empire Strikes Back in the cinema anyway when it was first out. Yes, I am that old. Yeah. I can, I can remember actually seeing all three films in the cinema on their first release. Oh, I don't know. I, I think it, I'd like to see something like we've already discussed Casablanca. I've never seen it on the cinema in the cinema. I'd love to be able to go to the cinema and watch that without knowing anything about it. Hmm. Something like that. Yeah. So yeah. a real classic, something like that. Yeah. Fight Club. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. God, to watch that. Did again. you see that in the cinema? You saw that in the cinema? Yeah. Yes. And I had yeah, no I, went, idea. I, I, I went to watch, bizarrely, I'm comparing Fight Club to a film I mentioned earlier, Gladiator. Which, when I saw the poster for Fight Club, in my head, I thought, are they just trying to make like, a film like Gladiator? Yeah. Not the Russell Crowe one, the, the, the Stephen Dorff film I was talking about. <laughs> I literally thought, is it just going to be like that? Was it just underground boxing matches or something, you know? And I literally yeah. went to watch it, and my mind was just fucking blown. Oh, it's yeah. unlike any other film, ever. Yeah, yeah, 100%. One of the things I've been trying to do uh, in, in, well you know, the last 10 years or so is just is try and watch as many kind of, of my favourite classic films on the big screen as possible. Now, going back 20-odd, 25 years, even further, you know, I, I was lucky enough to see films like E.T., Alien, The Exorcist on the big screen. And then in the intervening years, I've seen Jaws twice, finally, on the big screen. Um, Die Hard was great. Die Hard. Die Hard. Or rewatching Die Hard in Christmas 2018, just before we recorded. Uh, I still is, not seen that in the cinema. It was fucking phenomenal. Steve, honestly. the only thing, I, the only thing I could say to you is, it literally played like again, again. If you could have wiped our memories before we got there, it literally played like someone had done a period piece action film. Oh. You know, watching that on the big screen. If I had no knowledge of that film, if you told me that they would made a film and just said, "I was just going to set in the 80s." You'd have gone, yeah, okay, cool. Like, you know, it, was, it played that well, honestly. It, it was like Fantastic. watching it anew, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Yeah. Occasionally, some of the experiences are not that great, just like when, um, I think it was all of us, actually, we all saw Terminator 2 on the, for the 3D re-release, and yeah. they just yes, botched yeah. up the, the screening. The, the brightness was turned up so much, uh, you know, to account for the, the loss in, in contrast or, or, or brightness when you convert to 3D. They just overcompensated, and you just spot the whole thing for us, I think, didn't it? The 3D element wasn't that bad. It was just the fact they put the brightness up too much. So occasionally, you know, little technical hitches like that can spoil things. But if the film is projected well, if it's great sound, like last year, Neil, you and I saw Jaws in 3D. We we, we, we saw things that we'd never seen before. And then also last year, Steve, you and I saw Robocop on the big screen. My all-time favourite film. Finally get yeah, to see it on the big yeah, screen. Was fantastic. And yeah. it was fantastic. I've still yeah. yet to see that on the big screen. Mm. Well, I think uh, about two years before that, I actually saw Total Recall on the big screen. And yeah, the big one for me, which I need to see on the big screen, is Predator. Predator, I'd love to see on the big screen. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've seen that one on the big screen. I've seen to- I saw Total Recall when it first came out. I saw it yeah. four times. <laughs> that was the days. Talking about um, you got these flashbacks um, they have in the cinema. I've never seen The Wicker Man. And you did the show on it recently. Yeah. 
and that's coming um, soon on the big screen. Yeah, because it's being re-released now in 4K. Yeah, it? so yeah. Uh, I'm going to see if I can try and yeah. watch that. Cool. Uh, another question. Uh, a man who needs no introduction to our listeners, the venerable Bill Scurry, asks, what thing in the horror movie vocabulary scares you the most whenever it appears from movie to movie? Steve, you know what mine is. Neil, you know what it is, don't you? Supernatural. Supernatural. Anything supernatural. But no film has ever scared the shit out of me as much as the original Paranormal Activity. That film ruined me, and I don't ever need to watch it again. Actually, my answer is is linked with that, because I always find it creepy when it's a, a real situation where people are vulnerable, right? Yeah. So, for example... Um, Nightmare on the Street when she's in the bath and the hand comes up you know, between her legs yeah. to me that's really scary and in night, a paranormal activity when they sleep in and the the bed the clothes are taken off the bed yeah. that is, it's just something simple like that you know. but because the people are completely vulnerable it's not because they, they're running away or because they, you know, they're running up into the attic or, or anything like that it's when they're doing ordinary things and they are completely exposed for some reason like yeah. sleep or showers or psycho um, or the bath or you know things like that that is scary to me yeah i go more i was gonna say it's weirdly things are scare me more i like things like buffalo bill on silence of the lambs people uh, when you like, be real real yeah when you, yeah yeah when you sort of think oh, that could really happen you know yeah like to me but like being trapped or just you know opening the door to buffalo bill is more scary to me than being chased down the alleyway by freddy krueger yeah. yeah you know yeah but I, I definitely agree with the supernatural stuff and what steve was alluding to as well there you know when you just think yeah you know what would you do in that position you couldn't even fight back you know you could you know, you'd be dead before you knew it type yeah. thing you know so yeah it's a, yeah realism or vulnerability but neil how many times have we been sat in the cinema right and i know that the three of us tonight you have been sat in the cinema on at least two occasions where before the film that we're watching has been like a trailer for something like i don't know the conjuring or whatever and you and me have turned to each other and said no and steve has laughed and then we've just been like no nah, no way not watching it i love I, the conjuring I, films I, I, I literally i get very little enjoyment from being scared which is quite weird. Like, you know, I know a lot, you know, I know people go over the adrenaline and stuff like that. Cause funny enough, that um, film smiles on Paramount now. Yeah. And the other night I thought I'm going to watch that. And I watched like the first sort of two minutes and I thought, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's just literally cause I just thought, what, what do I want to do that to myself for? You know? Yeah. Well, I tell you what, when talking about the country and there's, there's two moments in the country which are so simple that really scary. And that's the clapping hands. I don't know if you've seen it. No. There's no. A, a, one scene where, <laughs> Talk about vulnerability. One of the characters is um, she's got uh, blindfold on, and they're doing a game. You know, they clap the hands, and she's got to follow the sound of the oh, hands. It's like a Marco Polo type thing. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. And there's that two hands come out the closet, clap, and then disappear. Oh, and of shit. course, yeah, you know. That's, and then a bit later, she's in the dark, and she lights up a, um, a match just so she can see what's around. And then directly behind her, two hands appear and clap again. Hmm. Oh shit! I'm, I'm scared now, time, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it works so well. It works so well. It does. I, I don't like jump scares, see, but things like that I do like. A lot of time with jump scares, like you say, it is literally almost like a sort of cheap sort of um, thrill, like isn't it? You it know, is, it's isn't like, it? Yeah. You know, it's the old sort of catch up on the piano thing, like, and then it's just like, oh, God, you know. <laughs> yeah, you you watch yeah. it once, and then it doesn't tend to work again, except with the head in the boat. In Jaws, in Jaws. yeah, yeah. Or the or the Exorcist three with the uh, oh, <laughs> the, yeah, the, the shears. The shears. Oh, the corridor. Yeah. yeah. The corridor in Exorcist three that is scary as well. Yeah, it's it's the time in the build up, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. 
You've, you've got to have the build-up because sometimes it's, course, just, yeah. it's quiet, 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 boom. So it's like music, that scares you first time, yeah. but then after that you expect it. But with some scenes, no matter how many times you watch it, the build-up, it, it ratchets up until when it does happen then. You are so fraught that you can't help but be scared with it. You can't help but jump. Yeah, yeah, because you, you always tell yourself, you know it's coming, don't be scared. You know it's coming, don't be scared. Yeah. But they still yeah. get you. <laughs> yeah. I think we're on our last question, guys, for tonight. And it's the man who helped nudge us into starting our own podcast. He's the creator and host of the Wrong Wheel podcast, James Hancock. He asks, the world is going to end in a few days and you have time for one final recording that will be shot into space for aliens to find. What topic are you tackling? Oh, what a question. Mm. Okay, can I go? Yeah. Yeah. All right. There's two answers to this, okay? Right. Obviously, we don't know why the world is going to end, so I'm assuming that we're going to be wiped out. Yeah. All right? So there's two types of um, films we want the aliens to see. Either something like Aliens, Mm -hmm. as if to say, look, you're lucky we're gone. Because if we weren't, we're going to fuck you up. (laughs) All right? So be careful. (laughs) Right? Or something really sweet, you know, like my one of my favorite films, Cinema Paradiso. Yeah. So say, look, we're gone, and this is why you're missing. Mm. You know, so it's that you know either we're going to mess you up or you know, hey, this the the universe is losing something because we're no longer you. So you would pick one of two specific films to do on our last episode, then, right? Okay. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Yep. Joe, I'd actually sort of misunderstood that question. I was thinking, what, what film would I talk about? <laughs> well, you know, it's the same thing. It could be a film, a to- any t- any topic. What would you choose as the point of discussion for our last episode if I we do, were all going to die? If if I was going to do... It, right, so if I've, I'll slightly bend the rules. If I was going to do one episode and I could do it just like this last episode you could ever do, I'd yeah. do a heat commentary. Oh, fuck it. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. God, yeah. What's that, 170 minutes? Wow. We could do that, Neil. I'd use my time wisely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'd go for a bit of finality in my chosen topic and also kind of give the aliens something to consider about us as a as a race, as the human race. Right? So the topic I'd go for is a slot giving a definitive answer to the question, what is the greatest film ever made? And then we'd spend the rest of the episode going around the houses, offering up candidates for the title of Greatest Film Ever. And I think ultimately we just come to the inevitable conclusion that it is, in fact, Jaws... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I would go for Jaws. Yeah, yeah, I think we can all agree on that. But I think yeah, it'd be you know, what's the last episode going to be? Well, what's the greatest film ever made? Then, guys, put forward your cases. That's a bit depressing, though, isn't it? Oh, I know, but it's you not. Know, what's end, the greatest Steve. film you're never going to see again? But it, the world's not going to end. It's going to carry on, and there will be a hundred and first episode. We hope. Yeah, which is going to be again. <laughs> oh fuck that! <laughs> so that's it, guys. That is our one hundredth episode. And raise your glasses. Here's to many more. Thank you all. Thank you yeah. all for listening. Cheers. All you sent. Thank you. I'd just like to say a very personal thank you. And this one is to you guys, to you, Neil, to you, Steve, and also to Rich, who sadly couldn't be with us tonight, and to all of our regular guests and co-hosts. These guys, and this is to our listeners now, these guys who I'm talking about really make the long slog of editing and publishing this podcast worth it with all of their great ideas for episodes and topics and the amazing insight they bring to each and every discussion. It was always our intention to make this podcast feel like a bunch of people sat in a pub or a bunch of friends sat in a pub having a chat about their favourite films. And if our reviews on Apple Podcasts that we get and other kinds of feedback that we've got or anything to go by, then I think we've achieved that. And thanks also to our amazing listeners. The success we've achieved as a completely independent, wholly funded by ourselves 
film podcast just blows our mind and it's because you guys spread the word about film 89 and help us to get more downloads and plays every month so thank you guys and girls for all of your support you really are the best rock so gents where can people find you if they want to discuss film or television or to rib you about any of your answers to these questions tonight well before we do this um i've got to you know raise a glass to you as well because you know, if this is a um, group of friends just chatting, well, it's become a bit of a religion and you are a guru. So, you know, here's a, here's a, um, a drink to you. I'm just the often drunken idiot that sometimes tries to steer the ship. <laughs> <laughs> and, if, and if I could just say, go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Um, but gents, where can people find you on uh, social media and the like? Uh, on Twitter, um, at Welsh Bluesman. That's the best place. Hmm. Let's let's chat episode 100. Uh, if you'd like to derive me about never watching Godfather 2, then you can find me on Twitter. <laughs> or at, Godfather uh, part 1. Neil underscore Gaskin. <laughs> or you could just go on there now and unfollow him. <laughs> just unfollow me, basically. <laughs> it's just, essentially, I just put stupid pictures on there anyway, yeah. so what's the point? <laughs> And you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at Sky Movies. And uh, yeah, you can find the rest of us and the links to our individual accounts on Film89 UK on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, yeah, please check out the website, film89.co.uk, for a wealth of uh, awesome articles, reviews, essays, retrospectives, whatever you want to call them. So until episode 101, unless the world is destroyed in between now and then, but hopefully it won't be, stay excellent to one another. But more importantly, Stay classy, you beautiful centurions.